0: The Sacred Changemakers podcast is supported by Coaches Business School, helping the world's most caring coaches build a purpose-driven and profitable business that makes a meaningful impact in our world. Check out their unique frameworks and methods to help you transform and grow your business. Now is the time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs. You can do well in business and do good, and together, we can make a meaningful difference. Find out more at coachesbusinessschool.com.
1: Hey there. Welcome back to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. In today's episode, we're going to explore, well, let's just say unconventional paths to personal growth and professional fulfillment. Our guest on the podcast today is Austin Mao, an entrepreneur, author, poet, and keynote speaker at the intersection of science and spirituality, psychology, and shamanism. He's a co founder of Ceremonia, a non profit psychedelic church facilitating change makers and creators through what 96% of alumni share as the most profound experience of their lives. He's guided more than 400 founders, including Fortune 500 executives, Silicon Valley unicorn founders, and major blockchain leaders through their transformation towards living a life of inspired creativity, purpose, and peace. So in today's conversation, we dive deep into the transformative power of psychedelics as a catalyst for profound personal growth. Austin shares his personal journey from navigating relationships and business challenges to transitioning into a psychedelic facilitator after a life-altering experience. Together, we explore the neuroscience, the psychology, and the spirituality behind psychedelics, emphasizing the importance of integration and safety in this transform, transformational work. Austin takes us on a journey beyond the traditional definitions of success in life and business and gets us to rethink and reimagine what is really most important to us and explores how psychedelics can unlock new pathways to joy and connection and also authentic living, living more from your essence and your true self. Now, many of you will realize this is an industry that is currently expanding and emerging as offering profound possibilities for human change, especially as the legal landscape becomes more favorable. And I wanna be clear here, we're discussing options that are completely legal today, which I know is often misunderstood because we talk through the complex legalities that are around us in different parts of the world as well. So without further ado, Let me introduce you to my good friend, Austin Mao. Hey, Austin, welcome to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. So excited to have this conversation with you today, my friend.
0: Me too. Really, truly.
1: Mm. So, our listeners, they've just heard your professional bio and on our podcast, we like to kind of go beneath the surface a little bit of that professional facade and, and dig deeper into the real life human behind the bio. So I'd love you to take us there and tell us a little bit about him. Who is he?
0: Yeah, thank you. You know, I like to practice what I preach. And so much of that means being okay with my messiness, you know? Um, I see a lot of uh, spiritual people on Instagram professing that they've got it all figured out. And I think at first glance, you know, that's part of the marketing game, but I've got my struggles. I've got uh, my relationship issues, my business uncertainties, my financial questions and, um, you know, through it all, part of this work that I do is also to hold myself accountable. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly learning and growing. And in this space, you know, we invite people into their vulnerability, into their authenticity. And part of that is that I get to do that myself. So, um, I have my days. Sometimes I even have my weeks, but this is, this is the work. And I follow it myself.
1: Mm. I love that. One of the things that really intrigues me about you and, uh, you know, the work that you're currently doing is the path that brought you there. Because you, you know, you talk about yourself as going from serial entrepreneur to psychedelic facilitator, but that's an interesting path. Not many people take. How did you get there?
0: Mm. It was, in a sense, by chance, Um, although everything is (laughs) by divine purpose. (laughs) Um, A good friend of mine, uh, Keith Ferrazzi, who wrote a well-known book um, called Never Eat Alone, he invited me to a retreat. He said, you'd be great at this. And it was an ayahuasca retreat for entrepreneurs. By that time, I had already done psychedelic creationally many, many times, through many Burning Man's and festivals, et cetera, and with friends. Um, so I thought to myself, okay, what could this teach me? So I went thinking this was a networking opportunity, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, you know. And I didn't um, honor the medicine at all. Um, I had a margarita the previous night, you know, going into the into the retreat. Uh, this was in Tulum, Mexico, and when I got there. Um, what really surprised me is that the very first night under the medicine, um, I was able to, um, have a conversation with my father who had passed three years prior, like such a visceral, deep experience. And I got to introduce to him, my wife, who he never got to meet. And, um, I didn't even know I was missing that in my life. I had thought I had grieved him already. But this was beyond grief. It was, it was a communing that was so special. Um, there was a lot of joy and love in it. I got to experience my mother's being holding me. Um, a memory that I had long forgotten and something that was so felt in my body that, I, that it was like, ah, this is what unconditional love feels like, you know? And that was just the very first ceremony. The second ceremony, you know, I think it talks about this and it's on, my, uh, on our website. Um, I had a uh, revisiting of an early traumatic memory that to my surprise led me to repress all of my memory. Like I could not remember my childhood. It was very foggy. But until I discovered that one traumatic memory, I was not even aware that I was missing things in my life. Mm -hmm. And from that, I got to remember the beautiful memories I created with my mother. I got to remember beautiful memories I created with my ex-girlfriend who I was with for many years. And through this pathway, I got to heal so many of my relationships. It also opened the doorway for me to into my creativity. I wrote a poem that I now perform on stage and I perform in ceremonies called Thank You. I think you've heard it. Yes. And <laughs> um, <laughs> And I hadn't written in 13 years. Now, writing is my number one passion in life. I had literally forgotten how much I loved to write. Mm-hmm. And so this that experience heralded the renaissance of my life. And from that moment on, you know, I say in this work, you can't unknow what you now know, right? right. Like, I could feel what life has to offer me, what a life of inspiration could be. And so I stopped chasing after money and and no and fame and you know all the things that i thought would make me happy and instead i started working towards really being happy
1: Mm. i love that because it in many ways it sounds i mean you said that heralded your own renaissance but it sounds like a a deepening and awakening and a true shift in your relationship with life in some way yeah so how did that, though, because many people go through that and, and kind of leave it there at the individual stage, like what it can do for, for me in my life. And you could have continued being a serial entrepreneur with that awakening. So what then kind of catalyzed the next step?
0: You know, I'm still an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the catalyst is... Um, a consistent pursuit of who I am and honoring myself. Like I believe of myself a unique trait in that, um, you know, when I, we, when we start our retreats, we ask people their name, their location, and and to name a superpower. Right, right. and I share that my superpower is the the capacity, uh, the talent to synthesize information, the mind, body, and spirit together, to communicate in words things that. Um, are often ineffable you know Mm. this is the poet side of me and um and in that i get a lot of joy and so i've started really following the path of effortlessness and joy effortlessness being this notion of non-resistance or surrender right buddhism and many spiritual traditions talk about this as the pathway of like discovering what's true for you or into truth itself the capital t and then joy being the pursuit of, of something deeper than happiness. Um, there's an author named David Brooks uh, that has a book called The Second Mountain, which we have asked people to read during our integration phase. And in this book, he says that there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness being fleeting, um, you know, pop a bottle of champagne, win an award, accomplish something that's happiness, right? But joy comes from a devotion to values. A devotion to something that that um gives your life meaning and so by following this path of ease and, and joy um i kept going closer and closer to what i feel is my dharma right right to a point where now every day um i get to wake up excited to begin the day mm. well in honoring what i said originally that <laughs> i have a messy life sometimes i can't say every day but m- but significantly more days than before.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And I love how, I mean, one of the things we talk about sacred change makers is this idea of knowing and not knowing and and kind of use the metaphor of Newtonian physics versus kind of quantum physics, which is this difference between being an atom where it's a closed energetic system because you already know, you don't need to know anything else. You already know, so you're closed here. But once you have this awakening and realize that things are unfolding in the moment, then you start to realize that you can't possibly know everything and you're open to what comes. And I really hear that in the way that you're living your life, not just speaking it as something that is, you know, a, a great theory, but something that you're actually practicing. And I've witnessed you doing that as well, which I think is so unusual in the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial world, which is is filled with gurus and experts and people who feel like they have to show this polished performance, you know, to actually be successful. So our title today, Austin, is Beyond Success, right? Psychedelics as a Pathway to Profound Personal Growth. And I, I know through our own relationship, how you are embodying this but I'd love to get you to speak to this a little bit. Like what have you found lies beyond success? Mm.
0: It's interesting because um, you know, what this topic reminds me of is a, a line by a guru named Guru Sri Dev. And he says, mm. holding paradox is one of the highest states of consciousness, right? And there's a paradox even in, in this word success. Because as we are defining it, success means, um, we built a company, maybe we sold that company and, um, we, we created financial abundance, whatever that means, you know, um, you have, you know, you have the, the, the house and the cars and the kids and the dog and whatever, maybe that's success. Right. And so what's beyond this, um, but I think success is th- that word is something that can actually be redefined, right? Because success, in that definition, is based on what society says is the is right for us, right? right? It means you made it, and and in in fact, it's probably relative. It's like you made it more than other people, right? But what success I think really means is Personal fulfillment, mm. right? That, um, and the way that I measure that is what I sh- spoke to earlier. Like, do I wake up excited? Do I do I go to, go to sleep like thrilled to start the next day? Like, how often do we get to do that? You know, I remember um, in just my entrepreneurial days, I would feel that way when um, I had an inspirational idea. Or I was working towards like a creative vision, right? But then a year into the company, I would be sludging away, and absolutely not looking forward to for the next day, right? And, and I think many of your listeners, and, and maybe you have been there before too.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. Totally. <laughs> and so,
0: how can we build a life of inspiration? How could we build a life where that creative spark is something within us? every single day. And in order to do that, I think, you know, part of what we share in this work is it's incumbent upon us that we have to become aware of and shed our protective layers so that we can be in the truth of who we are at all times or as much as possible. Right. And so I have this thesis um, that when we are unaware, we are operating from our our subconscious. And our subconscious is um, constantly doing two things. It's running away from aversions and it's running towards attraction, Mm -hmm. right? It's running away from um, being in traffic and it's running towards getting there on time. Or it's running away from scarcity right? The fear of of not having enough or paying your bills. It's running towards the idea that having enough money is going to make you happy, mm-hmm. right? And, and this constant polarity is ruling us. And so we design our lives to run away from something and run towards something. Mm-hmm. And to your point about Knowing and uncertainty, so much of our lives are ruled by our desire to control, particularly entrepreneurs. In fact, in some respects, you know, I've uh, I've worked with over 400 entrepreneurs uh, on their psychedelic journeys, right? And so, time and time again, I see like this, um, this grasping, this grasping of this need to like control their experience but so much of the work is to discover that life is fundamentally uncontrollable and uncertain it's a facade that we even think we have in control mm. and so the direction towards the knowing is that as we shed this these layers of like of control what we can discover is an intimacy with what feels true for us what feels right for us what feels good for us right and I believe that um, all of that is fundamentally reductionist. All the struggles and all the pursuits—they all reduce to the same place, and that, that's love, mm-hmm. like loving kindness. You know, that's what it's all about. Like, can I live a life where I love everybody, where I love myself, I love what I do, right? And I stop chasing, and I stop running away from.
1: It's really interesting because like as I'm listening to you speak there, the underlying assumption that I'm hearing and I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's very much that if you if you're not okay on the inside, it's kind of going to show on the outside. So if you have fear inside and not that that loving kindness, then that's going to come out in your leadership. It's going to come out in your business. It's going to come out in your relationships. It's just going to be there in your life. So it feels like very much an inside out approach. And that brings me to psychedelics in a way, because in a way, for some of our audience, this might be the elephant in the room. Because a lot of our audience, you know, they're already professional change makers, they're working in personal and professional growth areas, without the psychedelics. And there is something still of a stigma in many parts of the world really around psychedelics. So I'd love to hear you speak to why psychedelics is something that can really kind of deepen the journey for people and maybe accelerate their growth.
0: Yeah. Um, First, I'd love to just speak to this this, um, fear of psychedelics or the stigma Mm, of psychedelics first. Yeah. That'd be okay.
1: Yeah, please.
0: You know, um, Again, I I work with a lot of type A individuals, a lot of very public personas, you know, um, uh, people that are on boards of of publicly traded companies, um, executives of uh, unicorn companies, et cetera. So um, we get approached this question all the time. First of all, I think it's really important to note that in the 50s and 60s, um, psychedelics was by far the most studied drug in the history of psychiatry. Okay, it was considered revolutionary. There were over a hundred thousand participants in over a thousand studies back then. Before it was made illegal, right? And the reason why it was scheduled uh, by the DEA is because at that time um, it was associated with the Vietnam conflict, and Nixon um, had the desire to disenfranchise voters, right? And Um, and associated, you know, cannabis and psychedelics with minorities. And so scheduled that, but a lot of minorities in jail so that they could vote less. And that was like the history of how it got scheduled in the very first place, right? And the drug war was sort of a continuation on this. Um, Or sorry, the war on drugs. Now there's a resurgence of medical interest in psychedelics. In 2019, ketamine was made federally legal. In, uh, I think it was 20, um, 2013, it was the first stu- first study by John Hopkins University since the, the 60s. Right? Um, and in 2016, numerous studies by the Imperial College of London, studies by some of the major institutions in um, academic institutions of the world have demonstrated that, that psychedelic assisted therapy is at least two times better more effective than the most effective psychiatric plus therapeutic um, treatment of a variety of mental illnesses, PTSD, bipolar, um, treatment-resistant depression, end-of-life anxiety, you name it, okay? So um, MDMA is set it just passed FDA phase three trials, set to be legalized um, possibly this year, right? Psilocybin. Legalized federally this year. Psilocybin, same thing, um, possibly set to be legalized next year. And psilocybin is legal in Oregon and Colorado. And so we are at a pivot point in the history of mental health right now. Okay. We're it's considered right now the, the um the third movement of um of psychology. So um the stigma around psychedelics. I understand mm-hmm. it exists now but if you fast forward 5 10 years from the future it is going to be at the foundation of any kind of psychiatric treatment it's it's going to be everywhere right and so <laughs> to your to your entrepreneurial <laughs> listeners i mean we're <laughs> we tend to be ahead of the curve this is also right. one of the reasons why the entrepreneurial demographic is embracing psychedelics so much mm-hmm. i mean literally like microdosing uh LSD I've heard is is called the Silicon Valley Lunch now. <laughs> you know, like it's it's like <laughs> it's like everywhere now. Um, right. And and like the the catalog of um of founders that have used this and have, have um used it effectively is so huge. Just contact me and I'll put you in touch with some of them. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> um okay so so the question was, why psychedelics for um, entrepreneurs? Was that the question?
1: Well, it's really for personal growth and development. Why? So, what, one one yeah. of the questions I imagine that some of our audience might have is, you know, I'm already doing great work in this space. What difference will psychedelics make to, you know, the transformations I can achieve with my clients, kind of thing.
0: Gotcha. So, um, I like to equate work with psychedelics as 10 years of therapy okay and it's often referred to this some people call it 10 years of meditation frankly it's kind of like both okay um i'd like to explain how this works at three levels the the neuroscience level the psychological level and the spiritual level can i do that
1: yes please do
0: great um so the imperial college of london in 2016 but advanced meditators clocking over 30,000 hours. I mean, that's a lot of meditation. They were very (laughs) bold. (laughs) Um, And those on psychedelics through functional MRI scans and discovered that two parts of the brain called the default mode network were temporarily quieted in both uh, participants, uh, participant groups, okay? Now what the default mode network does is this is your patterning um, part of the brain. So a pattern might be like, like as a kid, if I touch a hot pan and I get burnt, well, I created a pattern that I'm not going to go do that again, right? That's a simple pattern. But a complex pattern might be, um, you know, my parents divorced when I was one. And so um, a complex pattern for me was like, don't commit too much because someone might leave you, right? And that's a complex pattern. And that's ingrained in me in my subconscious in my default mode network, so the default mode network lights up, gets very active when we get into triggered states, right? Um, now the default mode network, the DMN getting quieted has the same um, the same scan as children. And so in, in effect, what's happening is our mind under a psychedelic not only reflects like someone who is in a highly meditative state, but also reflects the minds of children. And if you if you interact with a child, like it is the most um pure experience that you can have, right? They only tell the truth. I've never been told I'm fat so directly to my face, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, like they're full of joy, they they're full of imagination, full of creativity, full of truth in their, you know, and the capacity to smile and, and bring laughter. Like it's it lights up a room. That's what's possible, but in an adult body with psychedelics, right? So we're able to penetrate into our um our subconscious in a in a in a directness that is equivalent to ten years of therapy compressed into a few hours. Now psychologically, um, there's a connection between DMN and um, these protective parts that we have. One of the, the, um, the fastest growing psych, uh, psychotherapeutic framework is called internal family systems, IFS. It's, um, it's parts work. So if anybody ever says, oh, a part of me feels this a part of me feels that, um, that, there is a psychotherapeutic framework that is based on that. And that's the one most paired with psychedelic assisted therapy. So IFS says that we have all of these protective parts. For example, if I feel anger at one point, there's a part of me that feels anger and that part has a need, right? Uh, and that need is to protect me from something. There's We might have thousands of parts that we're unaware of that are constantly ruling our lives, right? But underneath this protective layer of parts, IFS says there's something called self, higher self with a capital S. And when we are connected to higher self, this is what can often be described as flow state, okay? And a very high level of flow state is often described as a transpersonal or spiritual experience, right? Some people might've experienced this singing in church, you know, with a large, large group of people, right? It's a state of communion, of something feeling bigger than us, right? And so as we, um, create relationships with those parts and they are able to relax back. We have greater access to self psychedelics. Um, it's thoughts in this framework that, that it actually enhances our capacity to feel self. And that's one of the reasons why uh, it's a convenient explanation for how um, psychedelics can contend towards deeply spiritual experiences, right? Experiences where we're feeling, um, Whatever it is you want to call God or spirit or, or something expansive, right? Something beyond ourselves—a a sense of oneness that is that is spoken of in every single religion. And that brings me to the to the spiritual idea, um, you know. And, and I think there, I believe there is a connection between the neuroscience and psychology and and, and the spiritual. No. Um. In, in Ceremonia, we serve psilocybin mushrooms um, and there is a great deal of anthropological evidence that suggests that, that mushrooms um, is at the basis of the formation of the world's great religions, right? There are cave drawings of, um, of Jesus with uh, mushrooms, for example, um, Santa Claus even. Uh, the colors of Santa Claus comes from the Amanita mushroom, the, the classic um, red and white mushroom that is often associated with mm-hmm. psychedelics. right? And there's even anthropological evidence that suggests that the evolution to becoming Homo sapiens from Homo erectus is because of people having mushrooms. So if you think of 2001 Space Odyssey where the apes are, you know, where the yeah. big black block is there, maybe that was a giant mushroom instead, you know, <laughs> like that's, that, that could be the evolution of, of humanity. And so, um, we, we have a co-facilitator here who's one of the top internal family systems trainers in the world. And, and, um, and, and he was also a, a Catholic priest for 20 years and a Zen monk. He ran a UN refugee program in, in Africa. I mean, um, so had a deeply spiritual path and, um, he was one of the top psychologists in the world. Reinvented uh, PTSD treatment for the U.S. Army, and um, after after an experience with us, after a journey with us, he said, "You know, what is truly healing is healing with nature and healing in community, right? And ultimately, what's truly healing is, is spirituality, because you can do psycho- psychology over and over and over." but you're kind of fixing the gears, right? The real root of um, profound healing and profound transformation is something spiritual. When you spoke of uncertainty, it's to, mm. it's to um, be with the, the deep uncertainty in a capacity of not only just allowing for it, but loving it and thriving in it. Yeah? Mm. And so psychedelics is is a pathway to that, where you don't have to go um, become a horny monk in the mountains for for ten years, you know, you you can do this uh, now safely, legally um, in the United States, right?
1: Yeah, and I love the way you've described all of that, and you know, I'll speak to. You my experience because my audience a lot of them don't know that i have actually been to ceremonia with you guys and i just want to give people a felt sense and i'd love to get your sense of this as well austin which is when you talk about the experience of psychedelics and and you know the opening the access to the subconscious all all these it feels like opening doors but the interconnectivity that you spoke of just then that that feeling of not, not being an indiv- just being an individual, an isolated lone wolf in the world anymore. That was something that really came through strongly for me, was was this this knowing inside my body that I belonged. I was in the world, I feel, for the first time. And that belonging, I feel, or lack of belonging, is at the heart of a lot of our challenges personally and professionally today. You know, there are so many places where we see otherness, you know, like, you're not the same as me, therefore, you know, we don't belong together, we don't resonate. But it's this strong resonance that kind of comes through where, and I feel it in nature now, it's almost like I don't even need the psychedelic to help me because I've experienced it. It's like, yeah, I know I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) And it's an interesting felt sense that I think I knew in my head before, but I didn't know it at a deeper level. I didn't know it in my heart. I didn't know it in my soul. I didn't know it in my body. And I'd love you to speak to this sense of belonging because I feel when I look out in the world today, it's often missing, particularly in business, whether that's large corporations or whether that's you know, entrepreneurial, like, startups or whatever. This idea of where do we find our belonging, I think is at the root of fulfillment in life.
0: Yeah. When I hear you say belonging, you know, what it translates for me is connection. Yeah. Right? And um, earlier you shared um, sort of a synthesis of of something that I shared that... um, this principle that I call inside out. Like Mm -hmm. we can only, we show up out in our external world, the way that we feel internally, no matter how much we try to mask it, no matter how good of an actor one could be. And connection is the same way. In order to connect with others outside, we need to be able to connect with ourselves inside. Otherwise, what happens is we seek externally what um, we actually want internally. Um, now that can show up in two polarities. One is victimization, right? Like, ah, there are people perpetrating against me and life is happening to me, right? Um, or it could happen as giving up our power to something external, like giving up our power to um, to, you know, other people like uh, or other or spirituality or medicines, to to save us or help me in a way that I can't help myself. And so when we see connection from that place, um, there is a quality of trying to fill a void in ourselves, right? And when so many people are having that same quality, what it does is it creates a recipe for disconnection, for hurt. Because when something external can't fulfill something internal, it never can, Mm -hmm. right? And it fails to do it in an instance, then I blame it for not doing it. And so that's what what can happen when, let's say in a relationship, like in my relationship, ah, you didn't do the thing that I expected so that I could feel the way I wanna feel, it's your fault for how I feel, Mm -hmm. right? Then we create disconnection, right? Whereas the path of healing Is that, ah, this is the thing that I want to feel. I'm going to feel it for myself first, right? And then through that, I'm going to attract other people that also feel that same way. And then we will commune together in this basking of what the truth is for each of us, right? So I'm going to find my life's purpose. I'm going to find my joy. I'm going to find my creativity, right? And I'm going to express that out to the world inside out. I'm going to... I'm going to share my poetry. I'm going to share my music. I'm going to share, you know, something creative for me is is the business side of things. I find a lot of creativity in that. I'm going to share that out. And then that's going to attract people that are also like in their creative spirit, right? And then it's like, wow, you exist. That's beautiful. I didn't even know. That's where connection is is really built. And, mm, you know, there's a, there's a, uh Zen teacher that I follow named Adyashanti, and he says that um, beliefs create separateness, right? When a simple belief might be like vanilla versus chocolate. Oh, you like chocolate? I don't like that. Eh, I don't know if I want to be your friend. (laughs) But, 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 But a very big belief could be like Christianity versus Islam, right? Or like the right way to run a company, right? And and that belief, those beliefs, create so much separateness. But so something that that I think is really special about the spiritual path is that fundamentally we discover that everybody's trying their best. Right at any given moment, everybody is thinking that they're doing the right thing. Nobody is truly evil. Right. Even even Hitler was trying his best, thinking he was doing the right thing. And and when we are able to tap into that level of compassion it opens the doorway to forgiveness which opens the door doorway to connection right like real true connection that is resilient and and durable so this interconnectedness of the the neuroscience the psychology and spirituality i think is really profound Mm -hmm. in the work that we do with psychedelics because if you go to therapy for 10 years, or if you go to meditation for 10 years, or if you go to church for 10 years, um, you might lose track of that interconnectedness of how your mind connects with your body, connects with your spirit, right? But because everything gets compressed, you know, in, in our case, in the course of a retreat, you're like, wow, the way that I talk to myself and my inner critic, right? Affects the way that I connect with other people. Affects the way that I um, meet my spiritual experience. Like, it's all related, right? And it's all just different words for the same thing. Which is like, do I feel safe? Do I feel empowered? Do I, do I feel here? Right? Yeah. And when all of that clicks into place, this is the noetic ineffable feeling like it just all somehow makes sense just somehow makes sense that it's like ah there's tremendous beauty there's a majesty to presence and when you're in a space with other people that are doing that same thing like when you came here you knew a few of the people but you didn't know everybody <laughs> they were strangers that you met on a zoom call in our preparatory <laughs> sessions but now you talk to them almost every other day (laughs) and and I imagine there's some of your closest friends now because of that experience that you shared in just a brief amount of time and it's because when we get to the like purest humanity of everybody everybody is so special we're all special together you know yeah
1: and that's one of the things you guys do so well is create the container for those connections to really emerge, you know, and that was one of the things that I really valued in my experience with you guys. But I do know because, you know, a number of our community have talked about this, that when they if they have the impulse to come and try psychedelics for themselves, when they look out into the market, it's a little bit like the wild West. It still feels very edgy. People are still concerned about, is it legal? Is it not? Like I, you know, I I still want to be on the right side of the law kind of thing. So I'd love you to speak to that Austin, because I think it's what's holding a lot of people back from this space.
0: Yeah. You know, this is a, it very much is the Wild West, and it's and it's um well, there are a couple things here, right? Number one, people have been operating underground since mm-hmm. the fifties, or since it was made illegal right, in sixty seven, and um and that means that like there isn't great data that says here's the right way to do psychedelic therapy, and here's an ineffective or unsafe way to do it Mm. right there isn't um real marketing around there to demonstrate that um other than maybe word of mouth like that this is maybe somebody that shouldn't be serving psychedelics so maybe this is a a great way to do it right Mm. all of that is um comes with legalization uh which is coming out now right so you can do it legally in oregon and in In Colorado now, California has a bill as well. So, you know, hopefully that will be coming out soon. And then federally with um, uh, for prescribed mental illnesses, which can include PTSD and treatment resistant depression, um, you will be able to um, have federally legal and I think uh, insured mechanisms to pursue psychedelic assisted psychotherapy with MDMA, and then later with psilocybin. So in the next few years it's a very exciting time this is all pending
1: mm-hmm.
0: right but ahead of that there's a lot of um there's a lot of danger too in in doing this work because with great power comes a great responsibility 10 years of therapy in in 10 hours right mm-hmm. that's a beautiful promise but imagine if you had a therapist that was not a good person mm-hmm. or not a skilled person, right? And 10 years of being with an unskilled or, or unsafe therapist, well, could also be very damaging, right? And there's there's a lot of like untold, unseen harm that, that can come into play with work in psychedelics, um, particularly because it's a spiritual domain. When people's minds are totally open, that default mode network is quieted, um, they're very open. They're very penetrable open suggestion, right? And so, a word planted or a belief planted in that time, it's like Inception, the movie Inception. Like that's some that's a seed that can can really influence a person's life. And so, if that seed is something like believe in this deity, right, or believe in this religion, right, or if that seed is something like you're doing this wrong, you should be doing this thing other thing, right? That seed can sprout and really alter the trajectory of somebody's life, yeah. right? And there's a lot of danger in that. But one of the, the, the biggest dangers that, that um, actually really impacted my life, created a lot of suffering for my life, and it was, it was the formative reason why um, we developed our program that is so rooted in psychotherapy, is that um, when someone external tells you, how you should feel there is a subtle giving up of my power to that person right or if they say the medicine is healing you or spirits are healing you or or the psychedelic is healing you there is also a giving up of my power to an external entity right and that is a that is a disempowerment that can cascade into all aspects of life where we again seek externally for where we what we Yet to find internally. So, picking a right psychedelic facilitator is is a challenge, um, and it's it's a it's tricky because it's a, a self fulfilling cycle when people do psychedelics. Inevitably, when people do psych- psychedelics, like something like ninety five percent of people have, or ninety five percent of uh, therapeutic sessions tend towards a positive outcome. This is a, a number that I heard from, from some research that's an uh, organization called Synthesis did. It's the 5% that are uh, really, really challenging. And so even the facilitator might be doing what they think is the right way to do it. And they're like, oh, I'm creating all these positive experiences, but even they don't know the harm that they might be causing, mm-hmm. right? Because if, I, if you come into a psychedelic ceremony or psychedelic therapy session, and I'm professing to you, just feel grateful, love and light. Just, just love all the things, right? And, and in your experience, you're feeling grief, you're feeling shame, you're feeling guilt, you're feeling mm-hmm. anger, you're feeling fear. And then in that, you're like, oh, I don't want to feel that. I'm going to just choose love and light. Well, what that grounds is something we call spiritual bypassing, mm-hmm. right? Which is to say, when I take that back home into my 3D life and I feel messiness in my life, instead of feeling the feeling, I just bypass that and choose to feel something else. I choose to feel grateful, you know? So I feel hurt by somebody uh, in connection with somebody. And like, ah, instead of feeling hurt, I'm just gonna feel grateful for that person. That bypassing ignores the underlying issue which is maybe like, hey, maybe that relationship is somewhere where I'm not honoring my boundaries or honoring my needs, or et cetera, et cetera, right? And then that creates more suffering in one's life. So, um, it's a it's a tricky answer because there isn't like a I can't point you to a questionnaire or or a website that says these are the best psychedelic facilitators. I can only say. Um, that you know there are legal places to do it now um it's an emergent field and to your listeners please do your due diligence the number one tip that i have to um maybe maybe test a facilitator is to challenge their beliefs right because if you challenge the beliefs of somebody who might serve you a psychedelic and they get angry or they resist in some way, well, maybe they have an attachment to something that they are trying to impress upon other people. And and that might be an unsafe condition to open your mind and your your spirit to.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. And, you know, what have you learned through your experiences with psychedelics? in order to bring a really profound transformation to the people that come to Ceremonia?
0: Um, First of all, even though psychedelic-assisted therapy is an emergent field, psychology is so well-defined. Spirituality is also very well-defined. I mean, thousands of years of spiritual tradition, you know, hundreds of years of of, uh, psych, the evolution of the science of psychology, right? And so what we seek to do is um, take the the very adv- most advanced technologies of psychology of of spirituality and even of of AI and synthesize that together, yeah you know, package it together in a way that is most supportive for people to um, meet the psychedelic experience. So we share that the The number one component for a positive psychedelic experience and is is safety, right? Mm. And the best ingredient for safety is self-empowerment. And so instead of like um, when you go to therapy or you go to, you go to a professional, there are professional they're experts there to help you hold your content, your emotions, your stories, your beliefs that come up, right? Very valuable. But we believe that in addition to that, it's process, the tools by which you can hold your own emotion, stories, and beliefs, that is, that is the most important aspect of this work. And so what we are um, aiming to do here, and what I think we do pretty well, is that we teach people the tools to meet themselves, their own emotion, stories, and beliefs. In other words, teaching people to be their own therapists, their own coaches, right? So that when they go into psychedelic experience and they're having a conversation with themselves inside of that experience, they're reparenting themselves, right? They're they're giving themselves the love that they didn't know how to before because now they have tools. They're able to meet those challenging experiences. And so when we ground that and take that back into the 3D world, well, we get to go home in a much more self-empowered way, right? So I, I'd say um, that's like the most important aspect of this work. It's not just about like uh, the memories that I've, like I uncovered a traumatic memory or it's not just like healing, forgiving people in my mind. it's It's the process by which I do that that is the most important because then I take that process back into my companies, back into my life, back into my relationships and I'm able to, um, I'm able to do it for myself and I'm able to do it for others, right? In service to others, like the process of, of self-healing and transformation. Mm.
1: And I think that's, you know, uh, really important because it also speaks to the integration of, you know, taking yourself out of your normal daily life, going on retreat. And then that return is you know, in my experiences is is so important that you really give yourself the time to, because what I found was that my whole relationship with life had shifted. Every time I've been away and come back, it's like, like there's a a very different, it's almost like I've evolved beyond the life I was living before the retreat. (laughs) Now I need to (laughs) redefine, uh, you know, what really feels most meaningful to me. And that integration is something that I think a lot of people miss. They don't understand. You can't just go away and come back. And it's something that all change makers know because it's always, how do we take something, for example, from a training room or a retreat and help people integrate it back into their career, their life, their leadership. And it's the same with psychedelics, isn't it?
0: Oh, hundred percent because, you know, you can, take a helicopter ride to the top of the mountain and see this beautiful view you can you can go fly in the cosmos but it's all for nothing if it doesn't change your life mm. and if it doesn't help you affect the lives of others in a positive way like what's it all for right and so the integration i think is by far the most important aspect of mm. of any type of healing work which is how do we how do we live life in an integrated way of the mind body spirit right with loving kindness, with grace, with patience, mm-hmm. um, with compassion, with curiosity and creativity, and there is a process to that. Like we we have a five week integration period, but we like to say in this work integration is a lifetime, yeah. and that's part <laughs> of why community is so valuable. I mean,
1: yeah.
0: um, in my mind, you're still integrating with the community yeah. that you have been with, and there are uh, I, I remember there's still participants that. That you came in retreat with that are still having life-changing experiences that began in ceremonia, what like half a year ago?
1: Yeah.
0: Right. And and um, and so coincidental that we're talking about this right now because (laughs) literally I'm I'm we have a retreat going up on upstairs. My wife is facilitating. And one of the spouses of of somebody that came on your retreat is here, and he was just sharing about how like he is just continuously growing in such an exponential way, right? And that's again the integration. It's like um, the integration is not just—it's not static. It's not like ah, oh, I had a revelation. I'm gonna come back and write forgiveness letters. Mm. It's not just that, right? It's—it's it's like how do I keep growing? How do I how do I fuel this continual path of deepening, of of coming closer and closer and closer to my soul and my soul's purpose right and it's it's really um it's really beautiful to watch entrepreneurs do that because there is a benefit to the type (laughs) anus that some of them come in with it's like ah a fixity of like okay i'm gonna come home and i'm gonna (laughs) here's my new routine 8 a.m to 9 a.m doing yoga 9 to 9 30 breath work then i'm gonna (laughs) I'm going to run my meetings and start it with a meditation and blah, blah, blah. I was just like, <laughs> cool.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like, okay, integration in action, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, if someone's listening yeah. and they want to get started with plant medicine, what do you recommend, Austin?
0: Um, well, you can find us on ceremoniacircle.org or a nonprofit legal psychedelic church in in Denver, Colorado just 40 minutes from the airport, super easy. Um, We're also on Instagram at Ceremonious circle. Uh, That's a good way. Um, I'd say, but in general, I'd say, do your research. This is, you know, 96% of the people that come here say it's the most transformative experience of their lives. Um, How would you treat something that has the potential to be such a, profound transformation for you. If you were to go into uh life-changing surgery, if you were to have a birth of a child, right? How much research would you do? Would you haphazardly go do that? Also, would you pick the cheapest option, right? Or would you, you know, like, or would you find something that you feel really safe to do? Like, so do your research. This is such an important decision. And and I also like we're open, we're nonprofit. So like, ask us questions. Happy to point you in any direction. You know, so message us. We're we're here for you, even if it's not us. We really want people to have tools to do this safely. And we we actually are launching a bunch of uh, products that are going to be free and helping people to. Um, understand more of this path, understanding more of themselves that are AI-assisted, that will where you can um, create a personal coach through AI that knows you intimately. Like, imagining if that coach was Tony Robbins, the Dalai Lama, and Warren Buffett, all combined into one AI assistant, and help you understand yourself better and understand the path towards psychedelics better and what might be here
1: for you. That's really exciting. It is. So, really, just uh, I'd love to ask you, you know, you're really bringing together a number of different worlds here in this space of deep transformation. And I'd love to ask you, you know, from your perspective, what is this work in service of for you? What's the vision you're holding for yourself in terms of the change that you're bringing to the world?
0: Yeah. Um, I remember after my. My first, uh, my first retreat, I wrote a 10-year vision, right? And now, what am I, a couple years into that. Um, I, I have a vision that the work that we do here, which we, we believe to be um, uh, novel in its synthesis of, of the mind and psychology, the body in somatic experiencing and spirit, in in the the, the profound non secular spiritual experiences that people have, um, I believe that that the way that we are facilitating psychedelics is beyond therapy, right? It's beyond just mental health. It's towards spiritual experiences and it's towards connection, right? Mm-hmm. And I believe that it's all hand in hand. And so my vision is that this would uh, propagate to. Other psychedelic facilitators and propagate to the the community at large, so that people can access really safe and really profound uh, transformation in a um, integrated model, right? Um, so, I would my hope is to see a ceremonia in every major city as as things legalize. Uh, my hope is to serve thousands of people in, in a way where they go home and they are then um, finding their own path towards service, right? In whatever way service means for them. It could be building software or it could be building or it could be facilitating. I don't know. Um, but my my dream is that, um, that people build, you know, through this pathway as a gateway, that they really understand that they're the medicine. It's not psychedelics that mm. that heals you; it's you healing yourself, and you go home, and you continue to do that work, and and then you continue to share that with others. And in that way, you know, you talk you talked about the disconnection of so much in our world right now. Mm. My dream, and actually, this is my hope, and what I really believe is happening right now. Is that psychedelics is going to be at the forefront of the reconnection of the world, yeah? Especially as uh, you know, I, I have a whole like thing that I write up about this. Especially as AI displaces jobs, displaces our doing this in in the world, and it actually creates space for us to have time um, and and safety to explore inwards. I think that there is a reason why psychedelics and AI is coming out at the same time. It's because these are both tools for us to find that inner transformation, for us to connect with other people, and for us to become more human.
1: Beautifully stated. Thank you. So just one final question, Austin. And that is simply this, if there's something that you'd wish we could have covered that we didn't get to, or maybe it's just some words of wisdom to leave our audience with, what might it be?
0: Mm. Um, you know, before we, we hit the record button on this podcast, I um, I had tears in my eyes. Because um, we had a moment of silence and I remembered um, hugging you after our um, the conclusion of our day ceremony. and I remember crying with you and I just um, at the profundity of of what you experience and what we experienced together in our connection. And so beyond all the business and the the research and the science and blah 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 blah. Um, I am just so touched by you, and I love you so much. So it's <laughs> not so much for the listeners <laughs> for me. <laughs> I just, I just want to share how grateful I am to you, Jane. Um, from everything I've learned from you from what you've shown me is possible um and you 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 may not know this uh but you're one of our greatest success stories (laughs) so uh, (laughs) uh, i just wanted to share how much i i deeply appreciate and love you um and cherish the memories that we created together and you're always in my heart
1: Austin, thank you so much. I mean, that really touches me at a deep level. And I have to say that there's one moment I remember with you. And yes, I can imagine I'm one of your greatest success stories because I remember you taking me by the hand at the, towards the end of the final ceremony and laughing out loud. And I joined you in that laughter because it was like a lightness. Like so many people think they're going to go into a deep transformation and that's got to be serious and stuff. And, yes, that's there. But there was also a lightness of being that you helped me to embrace. And I will never forget that. So thank you, my friend. Really so honoured that you've been such a pivotal part of my own journey here. And so I think it goes without saying that I highly recommend Ceremonia. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys. Uh, I mean, I just want to thank you. If that wasn't clear already. (laughs) Yeah, if that wasn't. But thank you, Austin. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for sharing everything you shared today. I hope that we've managed to open the door a little bit for our listeners to feel inspired. And I know they will have learned so much from you. So thank you so much, my friend.
0: Thank you, Jane. Really appreciate this.
1: Okay, guys, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Now, before we go, I do want to remind you that all of the resources and the links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And a big thank you to the members of the Sacred Changemakers Inner Circle who are our podcast sponsors and also our extended community who are helping us to make a global impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals all visible on our website. And if you're looking for more soul in your life and business, if you have a sense that you have a calling, maybe you're here to make a bigger impact or simply connect with others on your change-making journey. If our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. Again, you can find out more at sacredchangemakers.com. But for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intentions and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time. Lots of love.